You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. Awesome. Thank you for that. I needed that. I'm like kind of caught up right now, you know, so I'm going to try to just share with you because Lisa and I just kind of had a moment. So, whoo, got some Holy Spirit goodness coming off right now. All right, guys, um, I'm excited. Oh, I am excited to share with you something that's really been on my heart. It's been pressing on my heart, and it's maybe something in the water because I think it's been on Andrew's heart too. So the past several weeks, he's been talking about family and community, and um, that's really what was burning in me too. So I'm calling myself like the part four installment of our family series. <laughs> um, and you know, sometimes we know things about the Father. We know that family is God-designed. We know that community is God-designed, but he is so... Um, on it right now for us as a body that we just continue to come back to this thing of community and family. That's what we continue to come back for because we feel like it's what's burning the heart of God for Acts 2 Church right now and really for the church as a whole, right? That's what we're feeling for the body of Christ. So it keeps coming up, so bear with me. Some of it might be stuff you've heard before. Um, I'm hoping that maybe you'll hear something in a new way and it will really settle some issues in your heart on family, okay? Um, So here's the thing. Let me think back to my notes. (laughs) Actually, what I'm really hoping for, this is one of my favorite um, spiritual uh, uh, promises, I guess, not really a promise, um, is I'm hoping for a spiritual alley-oop. So maybe Andrew didn't even realize he was doing this. He was just setting me up, and then I can come behind him and give him a slam dunk, right? (laughs) So thanks for that, Andrew. You didn't even know that's what you were doing. Today, what I want to do is really exhort us as a body I want to possibly challenge us on some things. And then I really, really want us as a body to level up. And I had this picture come in my brain um, about leveling up. And how many of you remember like old school Mario, like the game, right? Do-do-do-do-do-do, like that one, right? Okay, (laughs) Okay, so Mario, right, used to eat that weird mushroom, don't go there, and then get bigger, right? And he would get bigger, and bigger Mario could jump higher, he could run faster, and there are certain levels on Mario that you cannot reach unless you're big Mario. So today, we're all going to eat the weird mushroom, I don't know. We're all going to (laughs) level We're all going to level up together. We're going to level up together. <laughs> and we're going to be able to run farther and jump higher as a family and reach levels that we haven't been able to reach yet. Yeah? Is that good? Okay, glad. Thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> all right. So um, first things first, you cannot give away that which you do not own. If you don't have ownership, don't try to go giving stuff away. In fact, I have been in a season in my life where I was just like giving stuff out that I didn't have a hold of, and it doesn't work out. It's not lasting. So this community thing is something that I want to share with you and stand up here before you and say that Andy and I have not always done this well. Um, We really haven't. We haven't gotten a hold of what it means to be in a tribe, right? We love the word tribe these days. We haven't done a good job of pursuing intimate connection with people um, intentionally always. But we're in a season of life right now where that's what the Lord has been speaking to us as a couple, as a family. And so we have committed ourselves intentionally to doing this well. Um, Do you know what I mean when I say tribe? Like, do you know like who your tribe is, right? So we've got, I'm sorry, I don't deal like mics very well and I'm constantly fidgeting with my hair. So I have to like calm down. Okay. um, (laughs) Yeah. My youth people cannot play leader bingo today and like check off all the things that I usually do. All right. um, So, (laughs) so what was I saying? Tribe. So I've got, we've got our family, 
right outside of our family, like the family in our four walls of our home is our tribe. Those are our lifers, the people that we're doing life with, that we're intentionally connecting with, right? And then even outside of that is our church family. So what I want to talk about today is how we can um, connect in our family, in our homes, how we can connect with our tribe, find our tribe, and then also what we can be doing intentionally as Acts 2, as this body in this room here, what we can be doing together to connect in an intentional way with each other. So as Andy and I are nurturing our connection with other people, we're finding that some things are happening in our lives. And I want to talk to you about three different things that we're seeing happen in our lives as a result, I believe, of us honoring connection and intimacy in the body. And we're going to see what happens, and I'm going to break it down a little bit. The first one is we're having bigger dreams. We're having bigger dreams in our hearts and in our family because of our directly related to our connection with other people. And why is this happening? Because dreams are activated within our people. Dreams cannot be activated in isolation. They can't. They can be birthed in isolation, absolutely. God can put a dream on your heart in in isolation. It cannot be activated outside of community. That's God designed. It's released in community. We are keeping accounts of our abilities and finding those people who want to champion us in our dreams, who want to celebrate the things that they've heard in our hearts, right? I was sitting down having coffee with a dear friend a couple of weeks ago, and she shared a dream in her heart with me. And you know how sometimes you, it's hard to think of something that hasn't been done yet, right? You have a dream in your heart and you're like, wow, that's already been done. Somebody's already done that. No, this friend shared something with me that has not been done. It's a really like groundbreaking, amazing dream. And from her perspective, she's had this dream in her heart since she was a little girl. So she's like, oh, yeah, it's just this thing I'm doing. I, in that moment, was able to connect with her and say, no, that is good. That's huge. That doesn't exist and the world needs it, right? So now in community, that dream's being activated, yes? In his new book, has anybody read Chris Vallotton's new book, Destined to Win? Two people. Okay, well, three and Julie. Yay. All right, well, Destined to Win is an amazing book, but I love this quote. I'm going to rip off Chris Vallotton. One thing he says is that the people around us awaken the destinies dormant within us. Remember, when we find our people, then we will discover our destinies. I found a really good example of this in the Word, and so I want to have everybody quickly open with me to the book of Ruth. And we're going to talk about Ruth for a minute. Does everybody know Ruth's story or kind of have an idea of Ruth's story? All right, I'm going to start with some backstory on Ruth first. Does anybody know Ruth was a Moabite, right? Does anybody know um, where the Moabites came from? Specifically, what was the genealogy of the Moabites? Anybody know? Lot, that's right. So the Moabites were a product of Lot's incest after Sodom and Gomorrah, right? So that happened. Moabite tribe exists, okay? And so um, connection between the Israelites and the Moabites was not always favorable, okay? Because we we see that um, disconnection happen back with Lot, right? So that disconnection happens. We've got Moabite and we've got Israelites, right? All right. So Ruth was a descendant of Lot. She was in in that tribe, all right? So here's what happens. I'm actually going to read with you starting uh, Ruth 1.1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab and he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, Elimelech and the name of his wife was Naomi and the names of his two sons were Malin, Malin and Chilion. Ephratites of Bethlehem, (laughs) Judah. And they went out to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was left with her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah and the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. 
Then both Malan and Chilion also died. So the women survived, the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. So they left because there was a famine. Famine's over, they're going back. Therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and they wept. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should, bear also, and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts you and me. See right there, Ruth entered into covenant relationship with Naomi. She found her people first. She said, this is my people, I'm connecting here. And she found that covenant relationship and entered into covenant with Naomi. All right, so then Naomi said, or when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem and it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all was excited and the women said, is this Naomi? All right, we're gonna stop there and we're gonna come back in a little bit. So we, we see now what happens, right? So uh, Ruth enters into covenant relationship with Naomi. She found her people and she said, your people will be my people. That's what covenant relationships st- relationship does. When we connect in covenant, our people become our people become their people, right? So she steps into that covenant relationship and then they go back to uh, Bethlehem. And what happens in Bethlehem? What's the next part of the story? What happens with Ruth? So I'm used to, I'm used to talking to our youth, our teenagers, and we get some audience participation. So that's kind of how this is gonna work, okay? Okay, so I'm used to talking to a vibrant, interactive teenager. So that's what I'm expecting from you guys today. All right, so Ruth goes to Bethlehem. She's with Naomi. And what happens next? The family's excited to see her. Then what happens? She meets Boaz. There it is. So she meets Boaz. How does she meet Boaz? She, she decides that she's going to work behind the women of his field, that she will work behind them and be an honorable and good servant, right? She does that. And Boaz sees her, right? He sees her. She stands out from the rest, and he notices her. And he says, men, don't you touch her. Women, you take her under your wing. And he makes her that she's set up in favor in his sight. Yeah? And then what happens? How? Yes, he does. <laughs> they going to get married, girl. Okay, yeah. They're going to get married. But first, what happens, actually? Let's flip, shall we, to, um, oh, man, where am I? Yep, 3-3, three, 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 Ruth 3-3, three, three, okay? Ruth 3-3. Three, three. Naomi, says, Naomi says these words to Ruth, okay? 
Therefore, wash yourself and anoint yourself. Put on your best garment and go down to the threshing floor. That's where Boaz was. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go in and cover his feet and lie down. And he will tell you what you should do. And Ruth said to her, all that you say to me, I will do. That seems like a little a bit of a weird response to me, yeah? But why was Ruth able so willingly to say, all that you say to me, I will do? Why? Because she had already entered into covenant relationship with Naomi. Naomi had a seat of authority in her life and influence in her life. They were in covenant, so she trusted her without, um, without any doubt in her mind. So she does exact, all that you say to me, I will do. And she does exactly what uh, Naomi asks her to do. And then what happens? She gets married. I'm just going to do this whole message to Mindy. <laughs> all right, so she gets married. It's awesome. Um, all right, so um, I don't know if any of you have read this, the, the story of Ruth. I would highly recommend you read the entire thing. But when um, Ruth actually presents herself and says, I'm Ruth, I'm here, she says to him, you're a family redeemer. That's what you are. You're a family redeemer. And the reason was because he was a close relative. He wasn't the next closest. The next closest um, decided not to redeem um, Ruth and that family. But Boaz decided to take that position as a family redeemer. And I looked this up. That word there, family redeemer, actually translates one who delivers or rescues. Whoa, come on. So by marrying her, by taking her in and being a part, uh, allowing her to be a part of the family, a part of the tribe, and adopting her in, she was rescued and delivered, and Naomi was actually rescued and delivered in that as well. Because then what happens? Boaz and, Ru- and Ruth have a son. His name is Obed. And Obed is who? And Jesse's father is whose son? David. David, thank you. Okay, right. So all of this happens. She enters into covenant relationship, and then she is entered into the genealogy of Jesus. And let me tell you, from a historical perspective, this is pretty important. Because historically, and more than likely, she would have been 100% the first Moab brought into the tribe of Israel. This was redemption from way back that was um, personified in the person of Ruth. She was brought in, not only brought in, but then also brought into the genealogy of Jesus. That's huge. That's so important, guys. Boaz was a family redeemer. And there's more that I'm going to say about Ruth, but I'm going to shelf it, and we're going to come back to it later, okay? All right, so that's the first thing. We're having bigger dreams in our household because we're actively connecting with people and community. The second thing that we're seeing happen in our home is more creativity released in our lives. And when I say creativity, I'm not just talking about journaling or coloring or painting or singing or dancing. You may be thinking, I'm just not a creative person. Actually, you are. We're talking about creativity in finances, I'm talking about creativity being released in me for a message that actually made me brave enough to get up here and share it with you all. We're having creativity in the way we parent. Um, Why? Because just like dreaming, it's impossible to create outside of community. Creating is activated when you're in a family. It's totally activated. And that's a spiritual principle that we actually can see throughout Scripture. So turn with me again. I keep your finger on Ruth, but we're going to 1 John 1. You probably know this one. You've at least heard Andrew say it about 42 times. 1 John 1. That's what I said, right? I said that. I think so. Anyway, all right. 1 John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. Just John? It's just John. It's just John. Just John. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. 
<laughs> in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So creator of the universe didn't do it alone. He did it in connection through intimacy with capital W word, capital W word, all things created by him, through him, and for him. The father didn't work in solitude. He created in connection, in community. In fact, they even created man in their image and then instantly commissioned him to be creative with them, right? So we see creativity happening in connection. The third thing that we're seeing happen in our homes as we're connecting in community and we're being intentional with our tribe is we're becoming more like Jesus. As I'm around people with whom I'm in covenant, committed relationship, the Christ in them rubs off, off on me. Have you, have you ever experienced a friend like this? Do you have this friend that you leave their presence and you feel like you've just left the presence of the king? And you're like, man, I feel like my best self. I am ready to run my race. I feel so passionate about about being me right now, right? You just feel so uplifted. As iron sharpens iron, right? We are sharpening one another as we gain glimpses of the king, a different color, a different flavor that we need to experience. I have several girlfriends that as we commit to doing life together, we begin to adopt the Christ in one another. I may love the way this friend loves people, and that's going to rub off on me. I have a friend that I love the way she speaks about his nature, and my language is changing. I'm being sharpened by them. The body of Christ, what's happening in that moment is the body of Christ is becoming unified. We're not starting to look like each other, but the hand and the foot are becoming connected. And as we become more connected and more unified, we're, becoming, we're um, being conformed into the image of Christ together. Because that's the point, right? The point is for the body to look like Christ. Amen. Yes? It's yeah. so good. Awesome. All right. So we're going to come back to Ruth. All of these things that we're seeing happen in our family, seeing happen as we are intentional this way, are not some magical formula. This is one of my big takeaways here. You guys ready? When we step into the design of God, when we step into things that God has designed, we activate his purposes and his promises and his gifts. As we step into things that he's designed for us, we activate those things that he has for us in those designs. Ruth understood that. Ruth got to access that, Right? Ruth accessed the gifts and the promises by stepping into God's design of covenant relationship. As she stepped into that covenant relationship design, she discovered her destiny, and then the entire destiny of the entire world was birthed through her bloodline because she discovered her destiny. She accessed favor. She accessed redemption. She accessed family, dreams, creativity. All of those things were accessed when she stepped into the design of God. God has designed covenant relationship, and we unlock and access and activate his gifts as we step into his design. He designed, he designed marriage. It's beautiful covenant design designed by him. When we step into that design of marriage, we access the promises that he has attached to that design. When we step into God's design of generational connection, generational ministry, that's one of our uh, core values here at Acts 2, we access the gifts and the promises that he has connected to that design. I fully believe that as we step into um, structures, as we say, yeah, I'm going to say yes to this thing that you've designed here, that there are specific promises and specific gifts that are connected to that design that we access as we do that. Um, 
I'm seeing that blessing happening in my life as I am every week able to connect with our youth, right? That's that generational ministry thing we're talking about. If you want a unique perspective on how God speaks, you need to hang out with our teenagers. If you want a unique perspective on how an experience can alter the way you like live, you can experience the king one time and then walk out a different person, just come hang out with us on a Sunday night. You'll see it happen with childlike faith with these awesome teenagers. So as I'm stepping into that God design, that generational connection, right? It's in, where is it? Joel 2.29, where he says the young men will have visions and the old men will dream dreams. I want to be connected to both old and young men. I want dreams and visions. I got to have that in my life. So I step into that God design and I am able to access in the promises of dreams and visions because he designed it that way. Awesome. So this is going to bring me now to my big takeaway. All of that other stuff was just foundational, Okay. <laughs> We're going to get into some practical tools after this, too. I believe, by and in large, that the charismatic church movement has not done a good job of committing to intimacy and to family. How many of you would say that you long for a new covenant relationship and reality with the king? Can I see a show of hands? Okay, new covenant. We like that new covenant stuff, right? In the old covenant, who were the priests? Aaron and his descendants, that's it. New Covenant, who are the priests? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're a royal priesthood, a chosen nation. Amen? All right, Old Covenant, high priest made atonement once a year. New Covenant, what happens? Yeah, Jesus did it once and for all, and he's at the, it's at the right hand of the Father interceding. Come on? All right, let's talk about sacrifice in the Old Covenant, shall we? You, have you ever read Leviticus? You can get up in there and get like kind of concerned, like, oh man, we, we're in trouble. <laughs> I mean, you've got... You've got grain sacrifice, uh, sin offering, burnt offering, and your head can spin. You read this stuff and you think, okay, we are in big trouble. Thank Jesus for Jesus, okay? Because every single part of that, if you look in the life, the death, the the burial and resurrection of Jesus, every single part of the grain offering, the sin offering, the burnt offering, all of those things were fulfilled through him. Every single part. So the new covenant sacrifice was paid. You were bought, cleansed, restored to your rightful, rightful place as son and daughter and have no debt, no death, and no shackle to sin. Come on, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. So again, can I have a show of hands? Who wants to live in new covenant relationship? Yeah, it's kind of important. So hold on. Here's where I think we've missed it. I think oftentimes what we see is new covenant relationship seeking connection with Holy Spirit in old covenant modalities. Seeking a specific location, a church or a movement, a mountaintop experience, a glory cloud moment. But guys, new covenant reality doesn't have holy of holies confined to a building. And in a new covenant reality, the holy of holies is sitting right next to you. It's contained in the person within, with, right next to you. Come on. Too often, we are bouncing from experience after experience, encounter after encounter, conference after conference, revival after revival, to connect with him, and I think we are missing it. Now, does Holy Spirit encounter us in some pretty cool ways? Yeah, he absolutely does. In fact, in prayer this morning, we were talking about a season that happened where there was gold dust on a lot of our hands, and that happened on a pretty regular basis, where we were all leaving with gold dust on our hands. That absolutely happens, yeah? I have been in the room with a glory cloud. Yep. I have encountered Holy Spirit at more conferences than I can name. I've had big prophetic words and truths fall from me at a worship 
service. I've been in the presence of big revivalists, and some of the most defining moments of my relationship with Jesus come out of what happened in those encounters. But if it stops there, if each of those things happen outside of intimate connection with your people, they will not last. Because when we share these encounters with our people, they get to keep account of our abilities, agreeing with those prophetic words that have been spoken over us, challenging us to live up to the promises that we've been given, and releasing us and agreeing with us of what God has spoken over us. Because the dark nights of the soul will come. And if you don't have your people, it's not going to hold on. Okay? We are not created for isolation and solitude. And let me tell you that the things that the enemy wants to lie to you about only work in solitaire, in sol- solitude. Solita- I don't know. Solitaire. Solitaire. <laughs> it's a great card game. You should try it. Um, they only, they, the lies that the enemy wants to tell you only work in isolation. The thoughts that are contrary to your destiny and your life and God's heart for you cannot function in healthy intimacy and connection. They have no ground. They are disarmed by your tribe. And oh, by the way, you can be in this building every single Sunday and still be living in total isolation and wondering why nobody's connecting with you. You might want to go ahead and start curling your toes up a little bit. (laughs) So I want to challenge us to stop going after encounters and really great worship, speakers and leaders, conference, or how about a large revelatory word from Andrew on a Sunday morning? If that's our connection with Holy Spirit, we're missing out. What if the next big move of God is sitting in the person right next to you? All right, so I'm going to give you some practical examples of how we're seeing this work in our family, in our tribe, and in our church family, okay? How we can apply it in our lives. I think it's important that we really start to grasp the significance of connecting with one another in intimacy and covenant. We need a higher value on the God gold in other people. We need a higher value on intimacy, a higher value on Holy Spirit inside of us and inside of the people in our lives, and a higher value of family. So here, here's how we're going to do that. I have a story. It's kind of intimate, okay? It's about um, something that happened in, with Andy and I last week, and I'm going to be really vulnerable, okay? <sighs> if you remember, how many of you were here when Andy shared several months back, um, he'd had some lab testing come back abnormal, and his blood pressure was really high? Do you remember that? And he kind of shared with us intimately about that sparking a fear journey in his heart, and he had to really seek the Lord for some truth. And what ultimately happened was that God gave him a vision of him holding Everett's child. Do you remember that story? So God gave him that vision, a promise of his long, full life to come. And while the lab work was eventually proved faulty and false, the thing that actually broke the bonds of fear in Andy was that vision from God. Flash forward to today. I got a weird, like, skin thing show up. Kind of like a weird rash thing that's happening. And... I asked Dr. Google about it. (sighs) Yeah, that was mistake number one. Yeah, he got me all freaked out, and I partnered with fear, and that, that was mistake number one. You ready for mistake number two? I'm bracing for it. I dealt with it alone. (laughs) I'm sorry. I've already repented to Andy, asked for his forgiveness in that, okay? But here's the thing. (laughs) One night, I was holding Everett, and I was talking to Jesus, and I cried out to God. You know, God, Andy was just here, and you gave him this amazing vision of him holding Everett. But where was I? I wasn't in that vision. Where was I? I'm totally partnering with fear here, yeah? 
And I'm like really weeping and upset about this and asking the Lord, like, where was I in this vision? And then I held that in and kept it silent for three days. And it actually bred a lot of anxiety in my life, which is not like me. (laughs) It bred a lot of anxiety. (coughs) Three days later, I'm in the kitchen and Andy just comes up to me, puts his arms around me. And he said, so you know what? Something really cool just happened actually yesterday. Something cool happened yesterday. I was talking to Jesus about that vision that he gave me and he brought me right back to that experience, but he broadened my perspective and I saw you and a grown-up Everett standing in the door. (laughs) So I'm a puddle at this point, (laughs) just sobbing because literally the exact same thing I had asked the Father for. I'd kind of not asked, but just like been grumpy about, okay? (laughs) That exact thing. Andy, God gave Andy the picture for, Holy Spirit totally encountered him and gave him the picture for, and he was able to share it for me. I'm crying, we're both crying, we're worshiping in the kitchen, it's amazing. Moral of the story, we're not built for isolation. (laughs) Talk to your people. Second moral of the story, the next big move of the Holy Spirit might be living and breathing inside of the person in your house. Come on, and not here on Sunday morning. Come on. All right. Let's talk about how this functions in tribe. I'm going to call out my friend Lisa Purdy. She doesn't even know I'm doing it. But we've been doing life together on a more intentional basis lately. I want to keep doing that because I love this girl. If you haven't met her, just say hi. You're going to have an opportunity in a little bit. She's pretty great. Um, A couple weeks back, Holy Spirit spoke to her about me. And she wrote some stuff down. And she pulled me aside intentionally to share some things that she was seeing in me in my life. And they were hugely encouraging And because we're in connection, because we have that relationship, it's just like when Naomi said to Ruth, hey, go do this crazy stuff. (laughs) And Ruth says, whatever you say, I will do. I believe she has value in my life, so I believe what she shared over me, but what Holy Spirit had spoken to her for me. And now in those moments when I'm like, man, I'm having a bad day, I'm like, wait, but Jesus said this about me. And you know what? He didn't say it about me to me standing isolation in worship on a Sunday morning. He used somebody in my tribe to do it. Yes? All right, so how does this look like our church family? How do we make this work here in this building? Andrew touched a little bit on it last week, but I'm going to say the things that he wouldn't, okay? (laughs) So go ahead, like I said, curl those toes up real tight and put them under your seat. Here we go. (laughs) I'm going to say some stuff. Love you guys. (laughs) All right, I will tell you something important. As church leadership... (laughs) the moment that someone comes to us and says, you know what you guys need to do? Or, you know what you guys don't have? Our context for responding has totally shifted. And I mean this in absolutely the kindest of way. Just hear me out. The moment that you say, you guys, you have taken yourself out of the family picture and therefore forfeited (laughs) <laughs> the level of influence that was rightfully yours. We need to stop yeah. using words like you guys need. You guys need to do this. What you guys don't have. You have taken yourself out of the context of family and forfeited a level of influence that was rightly, rightfully yours. Yes. And now our perspective and how we're going to respond is going to be different because you don't see yourself as family. So how can we? That conversation, thank you, thank you, that conversation looks totally different when a person comes to us and says, I've noticed, we don't really have this thing going on. I'm passionate about that. Can we get together and talk about how I can blah, blah, blah? 
Or even, okay, maybe I don't even need to bring it to Andrew. Maybe I'm saying, wow, Acts 2 doesn't have X, Y, Z going on. But I know that my friend Bryn is really passionate about that thing. I'm going to take it to Bryn and say, hey, have you noticed that Acts 2 doesn't have this X, Y, Z thing? You're gifted in that area. Is that something I could partner with you and help you do? Would you want to talk to Andrew and Justin about that with me? Right? The context is totally different. You guys' language and we language changes everything. Changes everything. I'm speaking on behalf of your pastors right now. Okay? The greatest dream in their, in their hearts is to watch you do that thing that you do. They absolutely love that. And I have authority and influence to say this because Andy and I are living, breathing proof of it. Okay? Five years ago, we sat around a table at Tijuana Flats and we we're like, hey, we're in this with you guys. And this is what we have inside of us. This is what's burning. And they were like, yeah, that is inside of you. Also, there's all this other stuff inside of you and we want to call it out and release you into those things. Yeah. And so we're living, breathing proof of that. That's what they want. So if you're sitting there going, well, yeah, you know, Andrew and Jocelyn don't see me sitting back here. Have you ever like, I don't know, introduced yourself, said hi, told them what's in your heart to do? Yeah. That's where it starts. Spiritually sensitivity, spiritual sensitivity may say Acts 2 doesn't have X, Y, Z, but it's spiritual maturity that says, and here's what I'm going to do about it. Spiritual sensitivity and spiritual maturity are very different. Too often we have people leaving churches in the name of discernment, but don't call it discernment when it's judgment. Okay. I'm discerning. Community is not valued here. I'm going to bounce. Instead of, wow, I'm gonna, I am going to value community here. I am going to value community here. Yes? One of my favorite stories about our heritage as a body is Andrew and Jocelyn being asked what they wanted their church to look like. And their answer was always, our church is going to look like the people in it. So what do we look like, church? That's a really sweet sentiment. I love that. It challenges me. But here's why it challenges me. Because it means in a practical sense that this family is what we make it. It is not about a fantastic worship set. It is not about a revelatory message from Andrew. These two are a really fantastic head, but if we look like a floating head, it's kind of weird. We need a body, come on. We need the foot to communicate and say, guys, my toes are kind of hurting. This is sort of happening to me, and I need to communicate with you that this is happening. Otherwise, we've got spiritual amputation, and that's no good. Yeah. We're not going to be known by great revelatory messages. We're not going to be known for really great worship. We're going to be known by our people. You guys know the, the, the scripture that says they will know us by our love? That's a powerful message. Really powerful. And I think by and large we've done a really great job of applying that to the least of these. And that's important. Yes? But hold on. We want the people outside of all those walls to see the Steinspring family and go, gosh, that family is so joyfully connected to one another. I want my family to look like that. That's the love they're going to know us by. We want people outside to say, man, Acts 2 people, they like do life together. They're connected to each other. I really want, I want whatever it is that they have. They're going to know us by our love, yes? Man, if you're looking around and you're saying, I can't invest here because they don't have X, Y, Z, it's because you haven't brought it yet. We're waiting for you to be activated in your giftings as you plug into community because that's what happens. Cool. 
This family is not going to look like, this family is going to look like how we make it. Are you, are you invested? Are you connected? Start with your family and find your tribe and invest and connect and show up. Yeah. (sighs) It's good, right? Can we like level up? Can we be the big Mario together now? (laughs) Can we go higher and faster and reach new levels? Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, we have a really unique opportunity for activation this morning. Yeah. Activation's going to look a little different, yeah? Activation's going to happen as we have our family lunch here today. Yeah? So we have a really unique opportunity to connect and invest. Okay? So why don't you guys just stand up with me real quick? And then I'm going to have Andy come up and, and share with us what we're going to do. All right. Hands out. <laughs> Jesus, we love you. We want to activate and access all of the promises and purposes and gifts that you have for us. And we recognize that that happens when we step into your design. And you designed community. You designed family. You designed the body of Christ. We want to represent it well. Jesus, Jesus, oh Jesus, show us Show us where you would have us connect. Show us how to activate intimate connection within our homes so that the entire world will look around and go, man, those Christian families, those Jesus families, they really love well. Activate us as a body. Activate us as a body that we would be conformed into your image and we would look like the bride you've been waiting for. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we love you. Mm. Yeah, we thank you for family. We thank you for family, Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. Andy's got some instructions for us, I believe. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life. 